Winston Churchill once said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Got a really, really good guest today for you. He's become a good friend over the last few months. Uh, my guest today is Tim Brown, owner of the Hook Agency in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I met Tim uh, at when I went to Minnesota for VCon, as everybody knows. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. I've definitely done lots of guests uh, that I met at VCon. And I actually went to visit Tim Brown's office. Because I'm like, oh, I'm in Minneapolis. He's got a cool vibe. He's got a marketing company. I like marketing. I like Tim. Tim likes roofers. Thought it might be a cool thing. And then ever since then, we've kind of been buddies now. Been kind of traveling along on some road trips. We did, uh, did a conference called the One Industry, One Model, where we, me and him kind of give talks on things that we're passionate about in the roofing industry. And uh, so, yeah, he's our guest today. Let's get right into it. Tim, how you doing today, buddy? Doing really good, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, this is like take two. We actually tried to film one of these and record one of these, I don't know, a couple months ago uh, before the tour. And then, you know, my production team was like, oh, man, there's some pieces missing. There's like that. So I think there were some technical difficulties on my end. So we're going to pretend like we didn't do that. And hopefully we can uncover <laughs> some cool stuff. I, I don't know. But yeah. I always usually, I always usually like to... Let guests know, because this isn't really about roofing. This isn't really about business. A lot of times, some of those things kind of cross over just because that's kind of what I'm into. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of my guests happen to be sometimes from from, from those parts of, of life. But we always like to hear the, the inspirational journey of people's lives, where they come from, how they got to do what they're doing now, where they want to go in the future. So give us a little bit of uh, Tim Brown history back in the day. Like, where'd you grow up? What was life like? Tell me sure. a little bit about your family. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just say, like, I think, like, beyond business and roofing and all this stuff and marketing, um, I think I like to think a lot about personal development. So I think there should be some good stuff in here on that. And I definitely have a uh, a weird story. So I'll share some of that. I um, don't we all, but I uh, oh yeah a, yeah I grew up in a uh, a very conservative Christian home in the sticks. Uh, about a half an hour away from Minneapolis. We had a lot of adventures, had three older brothers. So you had like a little two on two sports action just available all the time, which was nice, but I was the littlest. So uh, I I got used to getting beat. Um, Nonetheless, uh, lots of like my brothers were pretty cool. They kind of raised me. Uh, And I grew up though, 15 years old, I got, I got into drugs and alcohol. So that's part of my story. Had a good uh, a good long stint with that, and I I tried a lot of I've lived a lot of lives a little bit, you know what I mean? Like I went into the military, I got kicked out, I <laughs> I uh, was in a band down in Texas, I uh, got kicked out. No, I just <laughs> no, I think I, I got I, I got rid of 
I think I got rid of that one myself, but nonetheless, it was a, uh, you know, a lot of random adventures along the way and I did end up getting sober. So now I, you know, I'm like 11, 12 years sober, uh, somewhere in there. You start to lose track a little bit, but I'm grateful for every day. And I, I think like a lot of that, like a lot of that journey from having a rock bottom and then becoming like essentially like trying to have i say spiritual awakening so i don't i don't know how much we want to go and do that but i that was pretty good whatever you want to yeah, man that's yeah. that's what's cool about this not being really yeah. like there's no rules when it's your podcast you yeah. know what i'm saying so like i yeah. love talking about that stuff i love talking about personal development I think a lot of times our personal stories can hopefully make someone else feel okay about their story. And then hopefully they can start on their journey of transformation because yeah. it is a lifelong journey. Uh, as you know, there's, a, there's a, I heard a couple things in there that I kind of want to like dig a little bit deeper on. Please you grew go up in it. a conservative Christian family. I did too. Yes, sir. So like, yeah. so my, I grew up Baptist, you know, they weren't, we weren't allowed to, Sure. There was one time I remember like we weren't allowed to do, we weren't allowed to go to dances. We weren't allowed to like, you know, the girls had to wear dresses past their knees and like, they weren't allowed to wear like, yeah. you know, shoulderless wedding dresses at church. Like it was, it was pretty strict. Um, yeah. I tend to think that that can, you know, blessing and a curse. Right. And I mm -hmm. think that um, for me, and I'd like to hear what your take is on this. It's like, our parents, like, they meant well, um, for mm -hmm. sure, by, like, you know, trying to not let their kids do anything bad, right? But then a lot mm -hmm. of times what I find out is they do such a good job at that, there's still that little sensor in your brain that yeah. says, I really want to see what's on the other side. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure and that's what happened, so, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I like... I had a brother that was like, like I have two brothers that are ministers. So I had like, I grew up in, when I was in high school, like they, they called me Jesus boy when I was like in ninth grade. Cause my brother was preaching on the tables in high school. I have a very weird, like it's weird. Like, no, it's not, listen, tables. it's your story. It's yeah. not weird. Stop saying yeah. it's weird. Start saying, start okay. saying that it's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. Uh, um, yeah. And so it made I kinda, you who like, you are. I think, yeah. I think I needed to, I, I just, I, the purpose that it served to go out and like smoke a lot of weed mainly, I smoked a lot of weed, uh, was partly to just differentiate myself from the other brothers. Like it was like all the same, like it was like three, four brothers in a row that looked similar and that like, we're all into Jesus and all these different things. So I took a, a shot kind of in a different, different direction. Cause I, I wanted to try stuff. And so um, ultimately I, yeah, it was definitely rebellion against that strict. Like I, like my, our pastor was like, even like Rocky worship songs, like we're not like drums, oh, like yeah, we're like no a drum, little bit of no, a borderline no, issue, you know? Yeah. Not allowed to have drums. Oh, listen, I, there was yeah. a, I'll never forget in my church. There was a thing where for a while, they couldn't even have drums on like on the stage. Like they could have like a little light percussion. I guess that they said yeah. that was okay. But like, and now at churches, you'll see like, you'll see like the yeah. wall, like the clear wall yeah. put up around the drums. Mm -hmm. So like that way the drums yeah. don't take over. <laughs> but like back in like 20, we're talking 30 years ago, like yeah. they weren't even allowed to have drums at the church I went to. I mean, yeah. it was, 
And to me, like, I look back and think, like, some of that's, like, I get why they, like, thought that, you know, and they're just trying to prevent, mm -hmm. you know, the crazy world that we already live in from being crazier, which, you know, ob yeah. obviously we can see, like, in the in the real world, the secular world, but, like, you know, things are just moving at the speed of, like, light. Yeah. Um, on how like they just let things go and they like, you know, they, they, they push one boundary and then they push another boundary. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, it's going to be a free for all. So, yeah. uh, you know, part of me like understands like why they do it. I think that there's just, oh, you know, just yeah. like with anything, there has to be balance. Right. I mean, I mean, we're all trying bit. to protect each other a little bit. Like, I feel like we're all, we're all trying to be like, let's just like put, let's just put this up and then we'll be safe. It's just ultimately we're yeah. not safe from ourselves. We're not safe from ourselves. Cause I, I like, I'll give one, this is kind of creepy. My youth pastor was one of those diddlers. <laughs> so I, not me. I don't know. Not me. I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know what that means. <laughs> A diddler. Uh, he, I have no he, idea what that is. He like my youth pastor, like, made advances on people in the in the oh yeah like young people like, so like, like oh like this, young people so he was taking advantage of his we, like stature yeah. as like a, a leader yes oh, we found this out later so i can't blame my like getting away from the church on that but it's certainly yeah, yeah, like yeah. it does you know those types of things happen so like what i'm saying is like when we try to protect ourselves and wall it in like there's still somebody in there and and the person in there there's, has humanity and i'm not i'm just saying like people are there's, we all have a bit of that and we all have evil in us is what I'm saying. Like, and ultimately like we all want to separate it. We want to say that's Hitler, Hitler's out there. And then like Christians and people, this guy was probably trying, but he, he obviously effed up wildly. And I, like, I wish the church was a little bit more like vigorous about saying this is absolutely wrong. Like he literally went to a different church after that. Like, so there's some wild stuff that happens. Um, and like people, it's not a strong enough response you know, in those situations, but ultimately like that's an excuse for anyone that wants to like get away from stuff like that. But anyways, I, I ended up having later on, I found my own kind of spirituality and that to me is really central to my life. It's just a little less focused on church. And, and I'm sure that a lot of people can relate out there. You kind of have to find your own. What do I believe in? What do I, what do I, what are like the big principles in life that, that matter to me? And how can I be an okay person? Cause I wasn't for a while. Like I probably went against my own morals and ethics when I was like partying all the time with different things. And it kind of didn't make yeah, well, me then your feel head, your great head's about not myself. Clear. Yeah. Yeah. Your head's not exactly. clear during those times. Let me ask you a question. Like how did your parents yes, receive that? Like how, how would your, would your parents like, um, like, how'd they receive that? Like, did they, did they receive it with love? Were they kind of strict? Were they hard? Like, you know, you had all these um, other brothers doing all these great things. Like how did so, that make you feel growing up? Yeah. I, I mean, it was a, it was bad. Um, going like Tina, cause my brothers were so good. And then I was over here doing this. So definitely sad time for my mom and my dad was angry, you know, and, and ultimately was, it wasn't a great response. So like I had a whirlwind of like a, the soft mom who's very sensitive and that, like, it kind of like hurts to just be around her in certain ways. And then I had the harsh dad who was just way too harsh. And, and so there's kind of a cyclone in the family. Um, and, and I was at the center of it cause I was, um, you know, making everything about me 
And I was the only son left in the house because I was the youngest. And they were probably just like, God, why does the last one have to be the hardest? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were very frustrated with me for quite a while. And they were very happy when I ended up finding sobriety for, for just like, like, thank God he's going to survive kind of vibes once I did get into that. And they're, they're definitely skeptical for a couple of years. When you do get sober, everyone's just kind of looking at you like, when is this going to fall off you know and that's that's a very tough part about being early in sobriety basically what uh, you mentioned something about you know hitting rock bottom um what, yeah. what was your rock bottom like what like what what do you yeah. think was rock bottom for you so everyone's got a different you know, I, version of what rock bottom yeah. looks like yeah i had a number i probably had a lot like a lot of buildup in the months previous to this i was like um you know i'd black out a lot so i'd black out and then I was trying to like treat alcoholism with weed and weed with alcoholism. So that, that was like a back and forth. And then I was trying a lot of psychedelics. So it was actually the day I didn't do any substances. I found, I, I was walking down the road and I remember the story going on in my head at the time and it was quite outlandish and maybe involved extraterrestrials, but I was walking naked down the road and I got picked up by the cops because they're like, you're not allowed to do this even at 2 a.m. You're, you're walking past the McDonald's and you're nude. So I, I got picked up and I got brought to the psych ward. And uh, I, I just had some time to think. I had some time to think. And I was like, I basically kind of came to this. I'm going to try recovery. Like I'm going to, because they did have AA meetings in the, in the psych ward. And I was like, I think I'm going to try this. And I think at the time, a little bit of my brain was just like to escape. You know what I mean? To get out of this spot this spot now, but when I did end up getting out, I did fall through and ended up going to meetings pretty much every day. And I kind of did a little etch a sketch on the people I'm hanging out with. And I moved back in with my parents and, um, just humbled. That was nice. Very they, humbled. Took, they took you back in. They took you back yeah. in. I mean, was that yeah. more your mom or your dad? I mean, I'm sure it was probably sounds like it was probably more your mom said like, Hey, let this, um, let's, you know what? let's let Tim come back home. <laughs> they're both sick and tired of me, you know, like at that point, but they're just like, like we maybe probably just felt like obligation, like this, this one, like if it's going to survive, let's just like bring it back in for a little bit. And you know, like, I'm just saying like, they probably didn't want to like, <laughs> like you were like a it, wounded then, bird out of the nest. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, okay, so let's like, let him heal for a second. And I did move out after six months with a bunch of sober people. But I, I honestly, I had a pretty good time. Like I, like I worked at half price books and I read a lot and I did what the people in AA told me to do. And then I, uh, I actually like had some good times with my parents, like sitting, sitting in the morning, read, they're reading their paper and I'm not there. And they're like, so I healed a little bit. And that is, I am grateful for parents that would allow me a second to heal. Cause I, definitely didn't have money for like uh treatment or something like that. So I didn't, and I don't know um, that. So I didn't get to go to treatment, but I, I could see how that would have been good or something like that. But I ended up uh, kind of getting a little bit of treatment by just the amount of AA and um, the people that I hung out with were sober. So, yeah. What was one of the hardest things that you remember back at that time? I'm assuming that's what your mid twenties, maybe like your, like, yeah, 24 ish or something, 23, 24, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, what was one of the hardest things that you had to like adjust to, or like, you know, what about, you said, you know, you got away from some of your friends. Like, I know that's hard yeah. for a lot of people when yeah. you only know like a certain 
community and you're known as, you know, the guy that's like the life of the party. Yeah. And like, you know, how yeah. do you, how'd you, how'd you like separate yourself from that old way to this new way that you started to form? Yeah, I think uh, it's a little bit of ego death or something, you know, like, even though my life looked pretty lame, probably from the outside, I thought I was cool. You know what I mean? And drugs and alcohol will give you the sense, you know, like I was homeless, basically, like, I mean, I was kind of like hippie homeless. So it wasn't like, so dramatically, like whatever, but it felt, it felt, uh, I thought it was cool. <laughs> I was going to music festivals yeah. and like different, you know, like doing psychedelics and stuff like that. And like, so to be in a spot where you're living with your parents and to not be just out on the edge or whatever, I, it was just basically getting used to not being cool and, uh, or not being what I thought was cool and just kind of like coming to terms with that. And like, I needed that. It was like, like I said, ego death, but it was like freeing. Cause like once I got through with that, I, I did kind of build like, I like, you know, I kind of think I'm cool now, but the point is, is like, I got to kind of refine whatever that looks like for me now with a new set of people that like kind of have a little bit more of my best interest. I mean, I like all my old friends still, but I'm just saying like, sometimes when you're, when you're doing these things with people, around you like in my experience i was doing these things with people i'm not always looking for out for their best interests i'm kind of looking out for like how are we gonna get messed up today kind of thing so i needed to find people that are like gonna hold me a little bit accountable and kind of just be a little bit more like real with me like that's not great for you and you should definitely do these other hard things over here that are going to help you stay sober so i i did need to get around those people even though i did play some music with some of my old friends and stuff like that and i i I played a lot of music actually those first like five years of being sober so yeah it was it was still a really good because you're you're, i'm assuming your environment like i don't know i don't know what kind of rock band you were in or what kind of musician you were but like i know a lot of that has to do you know revolve around playing in bars and clubs Mm. and like you know a lot of times where there's alcohol involved like how did did you were you tempted like how did that like you got back into playing music like how did you like how did you stay strong and how did you yeah yeah it was so funny because like literally like one of the first like young people's aa meetings i went to i met up with these people they're super cool we went home we went like back to their place and jammed and it was like they were like good and it was super fun. And then that night we went to like a reggae show and there was people lighting up and like, they were all sober. And so I just, like, I got this, like this message that it was like, it's not where you go. It's like the mindset you go in. Like, and in my experience, like that was really useful. Cause then I didn't like look at it. Like everyone else has to like conform or else I'm not going to stay sober. It was like, the world is not my problem. I'm my problem. And I need to get that fixed. You know what I mean? And like, I needed that really bad because I certainly was always blaming it on whatever was around me. And I, it absolutely was tempting, but I, I was like, I joined a certain kind of like intense version of, of recovery of AA that was like, you got to do these things and you got to go hard on them. Otherwise you're not going to make it. And like, we aren't either. And I like, these were not just like alcohol people. Some of them were like hard drug users and stuff like that. So they were more hardcore about like the actual recovery that they did. Cause it required more hardcore AA. And I, 
since then, you know, I've had like two of my band members died from, you know, alcohol and, and heroin and people that I was in recovery with also like a, a guy I was in recovery with took his life. Like when he relapsed, it's a, it's kind of crazy. Like if you're a person like me, who's around these people and you like these people and these are the type of people that you kind of relate to, you have people that die and, yeah. uh, it kind of shoots to like a shot over the bow to remind you to like, and I'm not like, obviously I, I really hope I, I don't want that to happen, but like when it does happen, you're just like, okay, I need to like kind of like reapply myself to this, you know? Yeah. That's uh doing yeah, what I need I'm, to do. I'm 40. Yeah. I'm 41 and I, I can't even count how many people, and, I, you know, I have a similar story to yours, and I can't even count how many people. Like, there's way too many people that have died. Mm -hmm. uh, back when I was kind of living that lifestyle back in my 20s, I remember people dying. Like, while well, we were, like, in our 20s and early 30s. And now mm -hmm. even, like, now that I'm older and you see on Facebook, oh, hey, so-and-so died of a heart attack, right? Like, I'm thinking, yeah. like... 40 year old people don't die of heart attacks like every day. And I said, I, I, I yeah. kind of know like, you know, the lifestyle mm -hmm. and part of me like always is a little worried about myself. Right. Cause I'm thinking mm -hmm. like, all right, well, you know, I might've, I was pretty rough on myself in my late twenties. Yeah. Uh, and like hard on my body. Right. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, I got to eventually pay the price for that. I'm thinking one day, but God's, you know, God's lucky enough to, we, you know, we're lucky enough. Me and you are lucky enough that we've, we've been spared. I think a lot of times, you know, when you see those things happening around you, I feel like it gives you perspective and it gives you like that chance of like, all right, well, I got to do something with the chances that I've been given. And, mm -hmm. you know, both of us seems like we've had great families to, to fall back on a support. And I think that that's, that's something mm -hmm. that like, you know, we didn't have control over, right? Like you're born into a family. Like, you know, a lot of people struggle with this stuff. They don't have the strong, the strong parents that'll take you back. That'll mm -hmm. that care for you. Um, they don't have money for rehab. They don't have like the resources a lot of times. And, mm -hmm. and those are the people, you know, that I always like, cause I, you know, we can always like play like the card where, Oh man, my life sucks. But yeah. then like, there's always someone else out there that's got it way worse. And, yeah. uh, and it kind of puts it in per perspective. And I'm always curious cause I'm sure when you were in AA and I never actually did too much of the AA meetings. Like I, I kind of understand what they are and I've been in some small groups before, um, but I've never mm -hmm. like done it like religiously, like for a course of like time. I mean, I think they're great, yeah. but like, I'm sure there's people in there that I met that like, like they come from all different types of backgrounds. Right. And you get to hear mm -hmm. their stories of how they've kind of like overcome. And, you know, if there's someone out there listening today, like what, what kind of piece of advice, like, would you give someone that like, feels like they don't have anybody that loves them. They don't have anybody that's supporting them. They don't have anybody that cares. They don't have resources to, to get, you know, transformed or like, you know, fix themselves because mm -hmm. they think it's such a daunting task. Cause when you're in the middle of it, mm -hmm. like you think like, there's no way out. Like, yeah, like, it's just, it feels hopeless. Right. Yeah. What kind yeah, of advice I don't would have you give to somebody like yeah. that? I mean, and, and, if you're if you're lucky to, enough to, to have meeting, alcoholism, right? yeah, if you're lucky enough to have alcoholism and or addiction, like get to a meeting. Yes, that's it. That's and like, oh, I mean, it's all spirituality. So like, there's no, I literally don't have anything besides that. Like all this like goal setting and uh, stuff like that. I was trying to do that before I got sober, and the shit didn't work. 
So like for me, I needed like this baseline level of like sanity to be able to build off of. And so if you're in that situation, I do, and I empathize because some people aren't religious and don't want to be in all this stuff. And I just like, it's not like be okay with a little bit of cheesy and just save yourself selfishly. Get in here. Come on in. Like there's, and, and like go to different ones. You know what I mean? Like, and this is all recovery. Like I literally don't have much else. And I, I know some people find it in church and stuff like that, but like go to different meetings, find one you like, do it selfishly, get yourself okay and healthy. And like, thank your lucky stars if you hit a rock bottom, because if you do and you can get up, it can be the best thing that ever happened to you. Because it, for me, it is, it was terrible. It was literally like, it felt like hell. I like literally had a psychic break. And like, I, I know that there's people that had it worse than me, but like, I'm so happy that it happened because now I hopefully can help somebody else with the, that's gone through this stuff. And I, like I said, like you said, I'm incredibly privileged and I try to like help if I can with somebody. So, I mean, I'm, I'm here to help, but like, obviously I can't always be there. So to me, this group and like AA and any kind of recovery is very, very useful. Like um, it's, a, it's something that matters to me. I, I wouldn't have, a, a much of a life if I hadn't gotten sober, I think, I think stuff would have gone pretty bad for me. Um, I'm glad I'm alive and I'm I, like, this business wouldn't exist without me getting sober. I like definitely like everything that I think about now is like, how do I, like, I'm more, much more on the mindset of like, how do I be useful to people? Which I, I don't think that was a central principle of my life. So like just the, well, this, we're worried about like, ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I still like am. When you're in the yeah, middle still, of it, yeah. We have our tendencies, you know. Yeah. But like at the end of the yeah. day, I think a lot of times, especially business owners, they get into business because they never found a home anywhere else that would really like take them in and like to lead and develop them. So we kind of had to figure out how to develop ourselves. And then through that, that's why you see a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business successful business people who came from like really really tough situations. And they were able to overcome that. And then they have the tenacity to kind of keep on going because then it's that. And I think AA talks about this and you might have to, it's like that final part is like giving back, right? Like in like trying mm -hmm. to like give, you know, yeah. and try to serve others. Right. And I think that, um, and you could do that through business. Right. And I, and I realized mm -hmm. when I got into business, I got into business, obviously, first of all, because I needed a job. <laughs> I needed to take care of myself. But once that was taken care of, once my basic survival like was taken care of, then it's like, all right, cool. Who can I help? Well, I'm trying to help my customers. I'm trying to help. You know, first it starts with your customers. Then it starts with your employees as you start adding people. And then there's this higher level, which me and you are getting a taste of, where you can help an industry. And that's when like, it's like, wow, it's like, all right, cool. Like, um, helped my customers. I'm helping my employees. And now I'm trying to help an industry. Let's talk a little bit about the journey and how you got to be started in a marketing company. Cause you know, me and you both like marketing, um, yeah. kind of like marketing nerds. And it's not mm -hmm. like you're just born and say, you're not like born out yeah. of the womb and say, Oh man, I'm going to be a marketing guy. Like when I grow up, yeah. like how did, how did that come about? Um, I also want to touch, you know, cause I've, I've met your lovely wife. I know you guys are having a baby very, very soon. Yeah. And I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about that. When, when did she come into the picture? When did hook agency start? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah. It's good that you mentioned her. Cause she's probably part of the reason this whole thing, like I got really into marketing anyways, cause I was trying to be a rock star. 
And she was like, to be real, she told me I wasn't that good. That's what she did. And you could say that's mean or harsh or whatever. When did you guys meet? We met about a year after I got sober, or a little less than a year after I got sober. Okay, so that's good, though. So, yeah. Yeah. And then she's uh, like, not right away, but then she's like, hey, uh, your music isn't that good. And I'm like, she was pretty direct. And then she's also like, you and usually girls are really nice about that because even if you're not that good, it's kind of cute, you know. It's, oh, he's trying to play his guitar, great. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, she she said your your paintings, on the other hand, which I was just doing acrylic paintings. I was going to community college. I was like trying to you know do something, and she's like, these paintings are actually really ridiculously good. So like maybe just go in the direction of visual. So then I ended up going into graphic design and. Um, pretty quickly being able to make a living, like on like making websites. I like was very, uh, you know, I did like print advertising. I, I did door to door, man, door to door business, handing out flyers. Like I did everything, social media. Like I was doing, I was trying to figure out any blogging. I was trying to do it all. Right. And then I, I got a few clients, which was really cool. And they, they told me about small business and how it's kind of fun to own your own business and stuff like that. And that was still in college. I finished college and I went to work for another agency. And then two and a half, three years later, I, I started my own company and I had been kind of building that up on the side. Uh, my, my employer knew, but I essentially built it up on the side. I even brought in like Mall of America came to me as a client and I brought it to my, my employer because I was just like, I, it felt big. So I was like, this should go to my yeah, employer. Like, I, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. handle that. <laughs> it's yeah. the Mall of America. <laughs> Yeah, but the funny thing is, what'd I you do up, for them? This, yeah, I made their blog. You know, it's been a while, so I don't know if it's still up. But um, I made their blog, and I did the design, the development, and the and everything. So like, I did the user experience design, I did the design, and then I did the development. And then like, I was trying to get help from my employer, like you know, like. But then I was like, dude, if I'm doing all this, this is like the danger of like, if your employees are doing like everything on each project, like it kind of is like, why don't I just do it on my own? I've certainly learned other reasons why it's difficult to be on your own. But uh, I, it's just one of those things where I did the, that whole project, you know, from the start. And I did a couple other really big, deve- like I was a developer originally, you know, a lot of um, coding and stuff like that. So I built some big stuff like, bigger companies in Minnesota. And like, I, I don't even think I've had, I don't have that big of clients now that I had back at that agency, but I was like handling it. Um, and I just kind of realized I was able to do this on my own and I was able to get business development on my own. So I took it out. I took that show show on the road. What, uh, what was your wife doing at the time? I mean, when did you guys get married? When, what was she doing? Yeah. So like, we got married at the end of me working at that other company. And then she, she was working at a corporate job. Uh, she was originally doing hair and then she went and worked at like Regis, uh, which is a corporate, uh, like the hair office place where you can rent. Yeah. Oh. No, Regis, Regis is like, they own like super cuts and stuff like that. They, it's like, so she uh, went okay. work for the, All right. so she went gotcha. work so for she corporate. Wasn't doing, she wasn't doing marketing though. No, she was, she was running their, um, their training programs or she was part of organizing their training programs. And then she was, uh, I like that word organizing. You said, (laughs) yeah, 
and she that's her, went that's her to super, that's her superpower isn't it yes yes she's very she's good very organized, like she's yeah she's very organized and she uh she went to school for marketing at that time and then when i was out on my own i was like very quickly because i got really into grand cardone and I, I'm a 10x guy and I sat there 80 hours a week for a while. So like I literally just sold myself into quite a bit of work very quickly. And then I had her come uh, like four months into being on my own. So like I, that first year we did pretty, it was just her and I, and we did pretty dang good, like just for two of us. And um, yeah, and it was a, it was a very interesting time. And we felt a little bit more luxurious at that time because it feels a little bit less like you know, with employees, sometimes if you're doing crazy, like fancy stuff, it's like, it looks like a little weird, but like, like she went to the Versace mansion and like we did some, like I went to a burning man. Like it was like kind of a fun time. Yeah. Well, to, no, when you're yeah. young, when you're early in a business and you don't have that yeah. many employees, you don't have that overhead. I mean, all that, all that profit goes to the bottom line. And it's like, yeah, I agree. Like when the early days, I always felt like I had more, like, like just more stuff, like more like Play the, money, the, the yeah. flexibility to be able to just do. Oh, and the other thing too, I just wasn't scared. Now, as you start to build a company and you get more, a little bit more stable yeah. and then you get a little bit more fear involved because you feel like someone's yeah. coming to take it. So you got to stack up the yeah. reserves and you can't spend yeah. as much. It's like, yeah, yeah all that yeah. stuff kind of sets in. Um, was there any challenges being with, you know, your fiance at the time, girlfriend, wife, like going into business yeah. with their, like, how did that whole relationship yeah. and then work relationship work out? Because I feel like that's tough for a sure. lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. is tough. 100%. I wouldn't have it any other way. And that might just be like the psychosis that you have to put yourself in once you've already decided something, you know, uh, we had some rough patches as we worked this. And I certainly can't recommend it to any couple. Cause there was like a lot of soul searching that had to happen and in a way, it does decrease some of the romance. I decided to kamikaze it. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm saying that's what I decided. And now I Tell have me to what you mean that. by that. Like, I just like, because uh, somebody told me, like, you should not do this. You should not. Like, somebody told me directly, you should not do this. Good, solid and advice. I, yeah. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to do this. And so we did it. And we survived and I'm not, like I said, I can't recommend it, but I ultimately like, like it because there's just so much of life. I like it. Like I said, I don't want to give the wrong impression because I really don't think if you're not doing this, I don't think you should. But for me, <laughs> I experience some good stuff now because of it, because we go on walks every night and when it's not freezing cold up here, it's like, it's the negative 20 in Minnesota, but when it's not freezing cold, we take walks every night. We have thing, a lot of stuff to talk about. That's very interesting. I know that we're also, you know, now we have a home, which is something else to talk about. And we'll have a baby, which will be too. Um, she really likes it though. Like she's very into being involved. She's like the, an integrator in the business, like basically the main one. Um, and she likes like having, you know, she's, she likes being a career person and having a lot of say on where it goes. She obviously has a lot of the benefit and she's very motivated. And it's been kind of cool to just see her come into her own. Like, this is a weird thing, but like, I guess that's saying, yeah, it's, it's very cool to see your wife, like come into her own as a professional and to just like own it and be really good at what they, what your partner does because it's it's kind of a beautiful thing and it's kind of like i like that part of me i think that part of me is very cool and i think like sometimes i'm up at the whiteboard and i'm driving stuff and she sees that and that's kind of like 
that's kind of nice for her. She said that to me. Like, it's kind of a pleasant I'm gonna have to get. I'm going to have to get her on the podcast and get her side of the story. Yeah, sure. But also, <laughs> like, the same thing applies. Like, I like watching her develop as a, as a leader and as a human being in a more full-fledged manner. And I think, like, the work is a very fulfilling part of life sometimes. And it's kind of nice to have a partner around to talk about that stuff. Well, especially when it's your business and you guys have a vision together and you guys know mm. where you guys kind of want to take it. Yeah. And she is your best friend and you really do love yeah. her. And you're like, why wouldn't yeah. you want to be around her all the time if you could? Yeah. I think the biggest downfall is, you know, at least from some of the entrepreneurs that I know that kind of work with their spouse is, a lot of us are so driven that that's all we really want to talk about is work, 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 mm, yeah. you know, or work related things. Or then when you get employees, like, you know, how, how you feel about John, how's Billy doing, yeah, you know, yeah. like it can just kind of consume you. Right. And there's yeah. other things, the life. And I think like, you know, I, I know you well enough to think I could probably characterize this is we hyper focus and we just, yeah. we have like these, the vision and this goal. And it's like, all right, like I don't even see yeah. anything else. Like yeah. I am just straight like boom. And like, it's all about how can I grow, develop people, help my customers innovate and keep mm -hmm. on going. And in the meantime, I'm, we're going to impact a lot of people, but like, you know, that can get like, you know, if they're not on that same wavelength and not on that same speed and get a little tiresome, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Cause it's like yeah. fast paced. I think the benefit I'll just like, I agree 100%. And that has been, that has been a major problem with the dynamic on the other side. I'm needing to take intake from her, that female point of view, that empathy. And in our business marketing, there's so much empathy required. Like, and actually so much of it is kind of understanding. And like, it's really good to have like a lot of females on our team and a lot of like, like, like it's a, the ideal customer of a lot of our clients, like in homeowners and like these people yep. that we can have empathy yep. for them and she's required me. That's been a really good thing. Like, it's kind of nice to have somebody there that's like required me to level up that side of my life and that side of oh. my personality, which is like, was very underdeveloped. Because like exactly no what you're saying, it. like I was like a mini Grant Cardone vibe wise. You know what I mean? Like a, like a little ooh, go, 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 bump. Like, like we're going nuts, right? Like, and <laughs> I had to have, the, I had to give this other side, which was like care slow down, put your phone away, patience. like all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Where patience, kindness, like, like all, yeah. Yeah. And she'll shake me and I won't get to make out with her if I don't figure it out. So I have to, I, I got to figure it out like eventually. Right. <laughs> that is, I think the super that's the secret to, I think uh, when I say success, success is defined differently for everybody. But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, when you can have like the yin and the yang, when you can have like the power, the, 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 the success, the, the money, the business, the, the family, but then you can also live with that inner side, that peaceful side of you. Mm -hmm. And you can like basically slow down to speed up, which is a yeah. super hard concept, especially for like a guy like me, you know, yeah. I have ADHD. It's really hard for me to like ever like mm -hmm. just slow down. Um, mm -hmm. but Brittany, my partner, she, she, she's into meditation. She's into yoga. 
Um, that's really helped mm-hmm. me, right? Like, you know, just even yeah. like, witnessing. I'd never even seen that before. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I saw people on TV <laughs> do it, and I would used to make fun of them. Yeah. And be like, oh, they're making, like, weird little poses on the beach. Like, who, like yeah. who wants to do that? And then, like, when you sit and do it, I'm like, wow. And then you, and then you like, take in everything around you, and you become more present. It's really an interesting feeling, and I think that um, some of the top entrepreneurs out there, I think, are experiencing that right now. They're not talking about it as much, but they're starting to creep out some secrets. I think they're, they don't want to talk about it too much because they want to make sure yeah. they can get ahead of the game. And then, then they want to give yeah. out all the knowledge, but then they're already beyond to something else by then. But like, if you notice like, like Gary V, I follow him. I, you're a Gary V fan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm assuming a little bit. I thought he said he wasn't in like that, that meditation. I thought he, he was talking about for well, a little while. He like, said, he said, he, I, listen, yeah, he's saying yeah. that stuff. But I'm watching him change, and he's in this new relationship yeah. with this girl that's really like into that, some of that stuff. Yeah, and I can slowly see him changing. He, I, I don't. I think he's still playing, you know, tough New Yorker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. go, 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 go. But he's really pushing with some of these like traits, you know, patience, yeah. and empathy, and kindness. And yeah. I think again, as he gets older. And as he starts to like absorb more things, plus he's got kids, right? Like, so his kids are getting a little mm-hmm. older. I think that this baby that you're about ready to have is totally going to change your life. I think that that's going to, mm-hmm. that's going to be like another one of those natural things. I think that God has in store for us humans to kind of like put things in perspective, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of like, you know, take it all in because now it's like, Oh wow. Like, well, it's not just about me anymore. You know, I know my wife can yeah. take care of herself. I know I can take care of myself, but now we have a human that like, yeah can't take care of themselves, you know, at least for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years. And it's like, you know, what do we want them to see? Like, right. Like, how do we want, you know, cause we, we all had our childhood and we all think we can mm-hmm. do a little bit better than our parents, which is Please. not a bad thing. I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good thing that we always yeah. adapt and evolve and take the best parts, keep those and, and, and get rid of the worst parts and try to optimize those. And I think that that's gonna that's gonna be a game changer for you. I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited for you guys because like that's gonna, you know, and you guys are a lo- you know you guys are in the what your mid 30s, right? So like it's you know it's a little, you know, you're it's 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 gonna be good. Plus, but you're in a good spot. You have good people at your business to be able to take over things. You've been training people well. Mm. I think it's. Uh, I mean, we're gonna be doing this together, brother. We got uh, yeah. We got little girls coming. We got little girls coming, right? I'm sure it will teach us a lot, man. And I'm. Uh... I'm excited to, I'm excited to learn and I'm like willing to learn. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, there's totally different levels of the the business that you hit and certainly every single, you know, the problems don't go away. That's the thing. Like, you know, it's, and I, it it was useful for me, the Grant Cardone thing of like, I don't want I don't want to get rid of problems. I want bigger problems because I don't want the same old little problems anymore. It's been, it's an important shift for me. Um, because literally there is going to be in business, like, and I don't think that that's a bad attitude for life in general, but like, I have to be like anticipating them almost and being ready for them mm-hmm. and not, not taking it. Like I failed when there's a problem because there's just gonna be, especially unless you just like go into a bunker and try to protect yourself, but then there'd still be problems, you know? So. Well, then there's other problems, right? It's kind of like what happened when yeah. we were growing up as kids. Like, yeah, that we yeah. tried to protect ourselves, but then there's problems that we don't even know how to handle because, like, we weren't yeah. ready for it. One yeah. of the things I wanted to talk about when you were, were talking about the childhood, because a lot of that I resonated with, was 
the fact of like, I think what we need to do as parents is be able to teach our kids how to handle situations, not avoid or get into situations. It's how to mm. handle situations, how to problem solve, mm. how to handle situations in a, in a, um, in a fair way in an emotionally balanced mm-hmm. way. Um, because I think that's one thing that like has been completely like just not ever talked about. Like we don't like our generation, like we weren't allowed to talk about our feelings too much. That was never, you know, that's not like a cool thing. You know, now it's starting to become a cool thing. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like our kids are going to be like, Oh, let's <laughs> well, we'll have therapists our whole life growing up. Right. Like it's like, yeah. it's going to be okay. But like, we need to learn how to like deal with things, not necessarily mm-hmm. avoid uh, things. And I'd like to hear your take on that. Yeah, I think I always like say, I don't want to say too much about what I'm going to be like as a dad or know about like raising kids, but I, cause I don't know yet. And I know I'm about to like learn a lot and it's going to be difficult. I do think there is a lesson in my business that has stuck out that relates to this, which is I didn't want to teach sales to my salesperson because I don't know much, right? Like that's a thing that we sometimes say in our business. I don't know that much, so I'm not going to try to teach. I needed to help her learn it. I needed to actually change my mindset. I, I have read a ton of books. I have taken courses. I have sold a lot of stuff. So instead of being fake humble, Sometimes I need to go, I actually do know this and here's what I've confidently learned. And so I had to switch my mindset around like, I can't be this fake humble person or else they can't hear me. They can't hear me unless I say, I actually have sold a few things and here's how, here's what I've learned from selling those things. And so sometimes I think parents avoid teaching their kids certain topics because they say, I don't know much about that anyways. And I didn't do that good at, on it anyways, but you kind of have to give the stuff that you have learned, even if it's imperfect, you know, so like, I'm hoping to apply that. I have to give some, even though like, I, you know, it's scary to present yourself as an expert on something because I don't know everything, but you still have to like kind of present what you know confidently. And I think that I've learned that a little bit from teaching people in my company. I like that. I think that, uh, yeah, you don't have to be an expert, but you should be confident and you should also then take it one step further and teach people how to be more resourceful to where like, all right, cool. Here's what Tim Brown knows. Here's what Ben Fisher knows. But when we cap out at that and you guys want a little bit more, wow, I know this guy over here that really is an expert in that. We could buy his course. Mm. We could like do coaching calls with him. Mm. That's where we got to go get some juice, but like at least say, "Hey, hey, here's what I know. Here's what I think. What do you think? Do you think we can make this work? And if you have questions, you know, let's figure out how to be resourceful. Because if you can like, if if you can do problem solving and and, and resourcefulness, like I don't really know if you have to do anything else in the rest of your life. Like if you can just master those two skills. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. That is, we should that clip is a very that. good point. Yeah. That's Go a ahead good and clip point. that. You'll see that. You'll see that in a reel. Resourcefulness right. and problem solving skills. But I guess problem solving skills is kind of like being resourceful. So yeah. really, we, we can talk about simplify. that all the time. Like, because one of our old, our old core values was scrappy. I still like it. I talk about it all the time. It's just resourcefulness. Like, that's so important. 
Um, now we say owner's mindset yeah. and it's supposed to encapsulate all these things, but I do kind of like the word scrappy because it sounds like it could be a bad thing too, but it's totally not. It's totally like just figure it out. That's all it is. Cause you know, like you have to say that a lot in your early business, figure it out, Google it. Well, that's the, that's the difference between like a, you know, a, a, a $3 million marketing company and a $500 million marketing company. I think at a small marketing company, you can get away with scrappy, right? Your clients are going to like that. But yeah. once you hit the big fortune yeah. 500 marketing company, like yeah. you probably have to go, we're resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you're <laughs> exactly. trying to appeal to like the more, yeah. you're trying to appeal to the masses. But when you say yeah. scrappy, you're going to find a guy like me that says, Oh, I like that. I'm a scrappy yeah. guy too. Like we're going to get along good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so I think it's all part of like, you know, the evolution of your company, the evolution of mm -hmm. yourself. I think that it's important to, you know, every year, um, you know, to talk about the core values and make sure they're still the right core values. I think it's, it's definitely okay to change a core value once in a while. If you really think that it's needed for the business, uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, uh, sometimes we just realize that's just not who we are anymore. We're not even living by these ones anymore. And like, that's kind of like what got us here, but this is like who we are now. And when you have people in your leadership team that can kind of kind of band together and kind of figure that out. It's definitely okay to make a course correction. I don't think you necessarily mm. have to scrap all of them, but I think if you have, four, if you have three to seven core values, which is about all I think you should have, if you like, you know, edit one or drop one off and put another one in every year. And then every seven years, you get like a whole new set of something mm -hmm. that kind of just, because as you add people to your organization and you add personality and you want people building inside of your company because you don't want to be mm -hmm. the only builder, you know, it can't just be the, the Tim and Bia show, right? Like it's gotta, mm -hmm. like, it's gotta start, you know, that the, the level down and two levels down. Once mm -hmm. it becomes their show, you know, you can't really get out of the way. I mean, you're, you're trying to lead it, but man, like, you know, they're, they're pretty much yeah. driving it. Right. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I think changing the core values is okay. But speaking of core values, I know I've been on you about the old, uh, the old EOS thing. And, uh, yeah, we've got, really our, we've got our leadership team. We got a leadership team, uh, scheduled with, uh, Ken Koistra. Uh, oh, yeah. how much, how many call, people so. on your leadership team? Um, it's me, Bia and five other people. So seven. Oh, wow. That's a strong, that's a, that's a strong leadership team. Yeah. That's a strong, that's a strong leadership team. So that's good. Well, I mean, I guess. Yeah, and then and then Bia's going to be the integrator as of right now, probably. Yeah, she's uh, the integrator, well, but there's they'll, like they'll, each of these people figure is kind it out. of an integrator. Yeah, there's 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 maybe like three people that are a little bit more integrator and three people that are a little bit more like me and visionary. And so there's you know they're each department leads, and uh, yeah, we we do give them percentage of profit. So like it's there is a little bit of like incentivization there that is good and. It's been a good thing. It's been good to involve other people and you do just kind of see what types of people really run with it. And some people decide like they're not trying to be into that as much. And you just, you kind of got to learn that over time and um, we'll see. I've done such a good job of keeping this show more about the personal stuff, but I do want to dig in a couple nerdy things real quick about marketing yeah, go and for it. roofing. Sure. Yes, just because please. like, you know, like we probably have some roofers listening and some marketing people. So yeah, tell sure. me exactly why you decided to, first of all, specialize and solely focus on roofing companies and then solely mm -hmm. really focus on like SEO, the SEO side of marketing and the website mm -hmm. 
and like the Google ads, like, you know, cause there's lots of other stuff like, you know, in marketing, yeah. but like you, you, you pretty much have a niche. Uh, yeah. When I think of Tim Brown and the hook agency, I think of like, you know, high end SEO for roofing companies. Yeah. So that's what I think. The, the, I had a person in my last company that had a remodeling company as well on the side. And she was a blogger. She was badass, like super cool. Like she was always like motivated and doing it every single night. And she like had success and people were paying her just to blog. And it was really cool affiliate marketing. Um, and she introduced me to a roofer and he was really cool. And he, he like, I had done a couple of years of websites, maybe three. Um, and he was like excited about it. He trusted me and he was stoked and he got his website and he was stoked and he, he just was like anything else to do. And so I kind of tried to teach him a little bit of what I was learning at that time with SEO. And I, um, and he did it a little bit. Um, and, and I kind of was just like, you know, trying to give him pointers and tips and stuff like that. Um, I went out and did my own business. I had three contractors out of five clients. And so like an asphalt company, a remodeler and a, and a roofer. Um, and over time I just kind of like found myself kind of gravitating back to these people. And then also like we were making them money in ways that they would like tell us, like, they'd just be like, yeah, like, this is really cool. Like I'm spending at that time we were much cheaper. It's like, I'm spending 2k a month and I'm getting like 20k roofs. Like, this is cool. Like I'm going to definitely keep doing that, you know? And so like, I, uh, just got that feedback and I was also doing video for him and a couple other contractors. And so like, I liked being out there and I, it was fun to be out there and about, and I liked the physical aspect when you're doing a nerdy digital marketing thing. And then like, you get to be up in an attic, you get to be on a roof and you get to throw a drone up in the air. Like it just feels a little bit more fun and cool and physical. And so I liked the physicality of it. And I just, ended up getting a couple really good relationships with roofers. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. So like these relationships turned into a couple more relationships turned into now 30 plus roofers and, um, kind of keeps growing. And if someone's the SEO, on the fence though, yeah, right? Be yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not, you're not cheap. So like if no. someone's on the fence, yeah. right. And I'm starting to understand this more though, because like the more yeah. I think about like how the parallels of my business, like what I do and specialize in and what you specialize mm -hmm. in, tell us what the biggest, what's the biggest advantage of picking the hook agency and, and, you know, paying a little bit more, right? Yeah. Paying, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, 15, 20, 30% more than like yeah. some other no name company. What's the sure. advantage for the listener out there to picking you Cause it is a little bit risky. It's scary, right? You know what I mean? You want like mm -hmm. a one year commitment. Cause it's what, you know, it usually takes a while, six months to 18 yeah. months, sometimes two years to really get that SEO like optimized. Yeah. Right. Cause there's a lot mm -hmm. of work to do. Cause there's been a lot of other companies and websites being built over the last 10, 15 yeah. years. And there's people that are behind. Right. So it takes a little while yeah. to catch up. What do you say to those roofing owners out there that are on the fence? And I'm I'm, I'm assuming your ideal clients probably doing 5 million in revenue all the way up to 50 million, hundred million. I'm, I assume by the time sure. they get to a hundred, they probably figured it out. But <laughs> what, uh, what do you say? And to sometimes they get, and, uh, yeah. Sometimes they get a little lazy up there too, with the, some of these fundamentals, but, uh, uh, there's, there's a little bit of an element of, uh, probably confidence. They want, they want, you know what? They want this brand. I'll be honest. Some of our roofers want this brand and they want to be associated with us. That's good. We built the brand. That's good. But what, what does a brand mean? A brand means confidence. 
confidence and that they're going to do what they said that they're going to do, that they're going to be consistent, that they have skin in the game. Cause I'm, I'm out here in roofing talking and I don't care very much about my reputation and we have documentation and we really show what we do. So those are things where like, I like to, it, it's better when I kind of show them exactly like, this is what you're, like a dashboard looks like on a monthly basis. This is what your live dashboard looks like with all your stats. This is what an email looks like when it comes from us. You can do the video chat or you can just get a video with, with the person talking you through everything they got done for that month, the 10, 15 minute video. That's nice if you're an entrepreneur and you don't got any time. And then here's a click through on your drive folder with all the deliverables that we got done. Here's the links that we got done. Here's the content that we got done. And here's the technical changes that we got done. And by the way, you don't have to be honest about it because we are on ourselves and we care very much about the consistency and we're always trying to prove value. And we're not doing these crazy like year contracts and requiring everybody to like sign with their blood, you know? So there's an element of like, we care we're we're doing it for a lot of other roofers too so that that's kind of i think some of the reasons people do it i think they want confidence and i think they want consistency and they don't want to like have to think like if i'm in seven months is the stuff getting done like i asked like i wanted to get done because i i hear that sometimes when people go the cheap route they're like i had to just be on them all the time and like you already have a lot of our ideal clients already have too many people to manage and don't want to manage another person they want to just get this done and they also want the best practices to be shared among amongst other you know like oh you've done it for roofers so you know how to do this and when you learn something over here on this roofing website you can apply it to this to our roofing website so those are some of the things i hear from people that work with us and i always want to give referrals to people that it's not the right fit. And we do refer out a lot of business because I am not saying that a business that's just starting should use a company like hook agency. I think it makes sense to either try it yourself or to, you know, work with a smaller company. This may be a local company or a freelancer in the beginning, maybe the first couple websites even. And I just, I like to be, I'm always trying to be the absolute best at what we're doing. And I'm like, tweaking it to try to make it so good. And like, I really care a lot. So we tend to be like the second or third or maybe even fourth website that people get when we do our websites and um, SEO companies though, it's, there's just a lot of them kind of floating it in. And it's not like they're like scamming per se. Maybe some of them are, I don't think they're trying to. It's just that the level of effort required to actually get significant traffic and leads from Google, it actually is, it's pretty hard. And if somebody tells you that it's easy, I always have like a lot of questions. Like if you tried it. Well, that's, the, that's, companies, a, good, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good segue for this. Cause I only got a couple yeah. minutes left. So what I want to ask yes, you sir. is if someone is on the fence and let's just say someone's not mm -hmm. hiring you, they're interviewing other yeah. agencies. What's three questions that they can ask that agency that'll make that agency shake in their boots. Hmm. Just like what are your deliverables on a monthly basis and what is it going to look like in like nine months? Like what are, is it going to be the same different deliverables? Like how are you with like how much content and links am I getting? That would be number two. So, you know, my I guess my deliverables on a daily basis or a, a monthly basis, um, how much content links am I getting? And I guess those kind of go together. And what's a reason, the thing, the, the scary part is like the good question, which is how much leads should I be expecting in nine, 12, 
18 whatever months, a lot of people say stuff. You know what I mean? Like salespeople can say whatever they want. And sometimes they actually don't, they've never done one lick of SEO in their entire life and they're selling it. So that's the scary part. You should ask them that, but I don't know how to make sure that they're honest. It's like how many leads. Um, Are you able to, would you actually yeah. answer that question? And you're actually going to give somebody a number? Cause like to me, like there's a lot of variables to that number, right? No, First there's so all, many how variables. Brand, yeah. how, how good of a brand yeah. do they actually have? Like you could be yeah. the best SEO yeah. in, the, in the world. If they suck yeah. on their deliverables, how many people are going to actually want to go to their website? That too. And, yeah. And what is, that's where it all kind of blends together. There's chemistry between like, what does your website look like? And when people get there, is it persuasive? You know, you have a great website. There's a lot of really not great websites out there. You know, there's, there's things that you could do to make it more persuasive and make sure that there's like a, I like to put a form up top, like a lot of trust factors, like testimonials and reviews, but that stuff matters in the end for this getting leads. So if they're not making changes to the structure and look and feel of the website to actually get more leads, that's another component of what gets the result. And so a lot of SEO companies don't even make any changes to your website, which is like, that's kind of what gets the leads. Um, it's a component of what gets the leads. So I guess just also how would my like changes on my website be handled? Are you guys making any changes to, to make it more persuasive or anything like that? Um, that's cool. Yeah, man. I think it's. I really, it's a lot I really of appreciate that. No, yeah. listen, that, yeah, that's a little tech. You know what? Give them a little sample. If they yeah. want more information, yeah. they can call sure. you. Tell them the big fish sent you. Um, what's next for Tim Brown, the person? Okay, like let's try to separate out from the hook yeah. agency because I know you guys are doing your thing and that's what you guys are yeah. going to be doing roofing for SEO, SEO for roofers. What about you though? Because I know that you've been on this one industry, one model conference tour. You're doing some speaking engagements. You got you're you're doing a lot more content. I'm, I'm watching. You know, I get I see your YouTube stuff. You're putting yeah. out stuff. You know, um, Facebook. Like what's next for you, the person, as your company starts to de develop and mature and they might not need you as much to kind of yeah. like drive everything because they're going to start driving. What are you going to do? What do you want to focus on? So the next couple that's a years? really good question. <laughs> uh, I, I like to think, I always like to think I'm going to play a little bit more music, to be honest, the end of paint a little bit more. I actually do paint. I mean, I paint and play music occasionally, so. Maybe that, and then I'll always just be, I'm trying to be a better leader. So, I mean, I know that, that goes back into the business, but like, I'm trying to learn that. And I know that like being a father will help me learn a little bit of that too. So that I will, uh, I got to get you to, uh, the EOS conference next year. We got to go together. That was one of the best right. conferences I've ever been to. Uh, I'd love to get you to a Tony Robbins unleash the power event. All right. I think that, right. I think that would be, I think that'd be cool, man. I've always wanted um, to go just, to one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things that really have just had a great impact on my life. Um, yeah. Those are two things that I'd strongly recommend to an entrepreneur is Tony Robbins unleash the power and EOS conference. Uh, it's two days just full of like just leadership and development, how to develop your people and, and then again, when you learn that stuff, it's the same thing of developing at home, right? You use those same skill sets to develop your relationships with your friends, your family, your kids, your wife. And uh, there's a lot of cool principles at trade places. But anyway, so to wrap this show up, I always ask people five questions. Imagine yourself that you're on an island. You're completely by yourself. And what book, if you could take one book with you, what book would you take with you? Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. 
You know what? Never mind. Scratch mm-hmm. that. Uh, the uh, uh, Brothers Karamazov. I switch it. Brothers. Because I realized, like, if I'm just stuck there, I'm, I want just, like, entertainment probably. So I would go with Brothers Karamazov. And it's, like, thick. So give me more to read. Give you more to read. All right. What movie would you take with you? Um, Sandlot. Ooh, I don't know. I like that. The Salt and the Swat. The Great Bambino. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. What restaurant would you put on that island? Ooh, you get a restaurant? Uh, St. Dinette and St. Paul. It's got, like, the most ridiculous little badass burgers and then like it always like rotates with like weird cool menu what was the name of it again saint dinette dinette all right well listen next time in minneapolis you're taking me there buddy all right let's go and then you're allowed to go on one vacation you're allowed to go anywhere in the world where are you picking i haven't like i've only been on a few tropical vacations but i really love vacations like to tropical stuff. I just keep on going to uh, Mexico. What's the main spot that everyone goes to in Mexico? I probably Cancun, Cancun, but like, I probably would do something like that. Where it's like, like an all expenses thing where you can just, uh, something like that. If you drink, bro, listen, you you don't need to do the all, all inclusive, (laughs) but you don't drink no more. Yeah, I just like not. I like being able to go into all the restaurants and just being able to just like not think about it at all. Just I guess I don't know. Eat whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I gotcha. So like you're saying, saying Mexico. All right, cool. Mexico. All right, and then you're allowed to spend the day. You got 24 hours. You can pick one person who you're gonna spend the day with. Could be past, present, future. Anybody you want, famous, personal, don't matter. Mm. My wife. It's a good answer. I actually want to spend time with my wife. I love spending time with my wife. What's she doing right now? She's probably handling some important details of the business and making sure everything is going smoothly. Yeah. When you said problems in the business, I remember looking at a couple of emails today, like, cause Rob, my integrator copies yeah. me on stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, you're right. The problem, the problems just never stop. The problem. Yeah, it's always something. Stop, yeah, you just gotta learn to love it. Yeah. 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 Well, I I always tell people like, you know, we're we're in the problem business. You know what I mean? If there weren't problems, yeah. they wouldn't need us. Like yeah. the whole world exactly. would be perfect. We'd all make the same amount yeah. of money, we'd all have the same life, we'd all live in the same place, we'd all everything would be the same. And it would be so boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like I if feel you like solve problems, problems you don't want them gone completely. I mean, like Yeah, like well, a no, leak. You, you do, want all you the leaks do, Yeah, no, you do yeah. Well, you want to solve the problems, but then you there yeah. would be other bigger problems to find out, like eventually. Yeah. No, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, no, so if exactly. you fixed all the roofs in the universe, then we would just start to like fix all the siding in the universe. There you go, exactly. And then we would start to fix all the decks in the universe. That's all. There's always there more go. problems. So yeah. No, all right, exactly. Tim. Well, listen. How's the what's the best way for what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? You know what? I'm gonna ask people on this one. Follow me on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash/invigorated. It's personal, my personal Facebook, facebook.com slash invigorated. And then if you want to follow the company, hook agency, all over social. Wow. All right. 
So that's a great episode, and we'll see you guys next Friday on the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares Podcast. It's our passion to help share stories and journeys, to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time.